Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do your dollars make sense? So today we're going to get into an episode where I'm really targeting business owners, specifically millennials, the Gen Z generation, like myself. But these principles that I'm going to go through today, I mean, they can be applied through any stage of life or generation that you're in. Whether you're 30 years old or 70 years old, you can take this information and start incorporating it. So I will do another episode. I'm actually going to have a guest on. He has, he's actually been with uh, Nelson Nash Institute for the last 30 plus years. And I'm really good friends with his daughter, Olivia. Some of you folks who are members of the Money Multiplier may have spoken with Olivia before. So um, actually, she told me too that her policy is about to turn 10 years old this month. So I think that's really, really cool. I'm trying to get to that point. My policies aren't 10 years old yet. Um, but I did mention on the past episode, I'm starting my sixth policy right now, so very excited about that. I'll keep you up on the endeavors I'm going on. But a few announcements before we get into the episode. My vlog channel is up and live. So you can go to YouTube, Hannah Kessler. Hannah is spelled the same ways forwards and backwards, Kessler with one S. And you can go and see what I'm up to behind the scenes. I'm actually about to go out on the road, go hit the van, uh, live that nomad lifestyle for a little bit during these summer months. So I'll bring you along with me and you can see what I'm up to traveling around. I plan to go to Idaho. I love spending summer months up in Idaho doing all the ATV riding and everything. So come along with me. I even bring you backstage on the events that I'm teaching at, or maybe it's uh, Pops or Chris that are teaching at, and even the fun adventures of in the plane and stuff. So go over there, subscribe to it, like, comment, show me some love over there, okay? Um, As always, you can check out our events on the website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash events to see where we're coming out live or even doing our virtual events. So actually, as I'm talking to y'all here on Wednesday, uh, later on this evening, we have the weekly Ask Me Anything webinar. So I'm excited to see some of y'all later on today. As always, let's jump into the episode now. So as I mentioned, I will bring another guest on to talk more about the businesses and really three trends that threaten your business and how to protect and hedge against the loss that could come or the uncertainty that can come from being an entrepreneur and a business owner. So I want to talk about my experiences and what I have learned from utilizing my banking policies within my business life. And remember, I mean, before we even got into this whole world of the money multiplier even being established, you know, dad was a full-time chiropractor when he first got into this world and was a consumer of this concept first. And dad would use his policies within the business And I kind of just want to walk through a few of the creative ways that dad would use his policies within the business. Um, You know, so like one of them. So let's talk about from like a business owner's perspective. So from us, a business owner's perspective, 
Dad would actually sometimes use his policies to fund the payroll, you know, whether the employees were on a salary basis or maybe they were a um, hourly um, employee just maybe getting paid biweekly or something. Dad would use policy money from the policy. (laughs) He would use policy money, take out a loan and then go fund the salaries. So for instance, let's say that we are paying someone, let's just make believe it's 100,000 a year. That is our salary that we're paying to them. And let's say that maybe we pay that salary out on a quarterly basis. So 25,000 a quarter is 100,000 a year. So what dad will do is he would go into a policy, he would take out 25,000, go pay the employee their salary. Then what he would do is over the course of that next quarter, he would just save up. He would save back up inside of his policies, prepping for the next quarterly payment that he has to make to his employee. So then all dad would do is maybe on a monthly basis, he would pay himself back. Let's just make believe it's 8,500 a month or $9,000 a month. And Honestly, you know, he could look at it as him saving up for the next salary bill that he has to pay or how I personally look at it because I don't get into all the weeds and assessing it like that if you want my honest opinion. I just keep funneling the extra cash flow that I'm not using through my policies and paying back some policy loans. So, okay, Pops, let's make believe that your uh, uh, clinic just profited $20,000 for the month. Your expenses that you had to pay out, let's just make believe they're $10,000. Let's say it's rent for the office or the electricity, the water bill. So you you created $20,000 of profit, you sent out 10,000. Well, what are you doing with the leftover 10,000 that's just hanging out in your business checking account not doing anything and the bankers are using your money and making a good living off of your money. So what I would say is take that $10,000 that you're not doing anything with that's just sitting there in liquid capital Go and pay back some loans. Pay back that 10000 back into the policy. Oh, and then get this now. Now use that to then go and pay your salary bill. So that's just how I personally look at it. I don't really get into all the fine weeds and details of, okay, I got to pay myself back this set amount of money at this time each and every month because I have to replenish that $25,000 loan I've taken out. I just keep pushing through the cash flow. I don't know if that's a right way. I don't know if that's a wrong way. That's just how my simple mind thinks. I know some of y'all like to get a little bit more detailed and is organized maybe a right word for it? Maybe I'm not very organized. I feel like I am. I feel like I understand what's going on in my financial life, but that's just how I personally look at it. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. So, you know, he would use it for funding the payroll, the overhead expenses of the office, right? Maybe he's got a, 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 a bank loan, a debt to the bank because he just bought the clinic. Maybe he's got to pay rent on the office. You can use policy money to do that. He, he would even use it to fund the adjustment tables. All right, he had adjustment tables. And I even remember this one time he went out and there was, he, he started something else. It was called laser-like lipo. 
I don't know all the interweeds of it, but the clinic would start offering that to weight loss patients. And even that hunk of machinery probably costs around 80 grand. You know, where are you going to pull that capital from to go fund it besides the local bank? your bank account, maybe you lease it. But no, all we're doing is just using the policy money now to then go fund the business expenses. It literally works the same exact way just inside of your personal life as what it does to your business life. Okay, instead of me using my policy money to go buy myself a new refrigerator for my house, I'm using my policy money to go buy an adjustment table for the business now. It's literally that easy. Y'all, please go back to my past episode where I titled it the simplicity of IBC because I'm telling y'all it is that stupid simple now here's something else you can do you can always put a policy on your employees in the office right because Hannah we do have to have a body for this policy, right? You can't just have no body on the policy. There's got to be a body to put the death benefit on. So what you can do now, how to incorporate this into employee benefits. Let's say, let's use like Dr. Jeremy, for instance, okay? Dr. Jeremy was an associate doc at dad's clinic. And what he would do is dad went to Dr. Jeremy and said, hey, let me put this policy on your body. So dad was the owner of the policy. You you can, it, it let's say that you are 100% owner of your own business. You can name yourself as the personal owner. Yes, you can name the business of the owner if you want. You can name the trust an owner of a policy if you want it as well. So dad would be the owner of the policy. Dr. Jeremy would be the insured body. So the death benefit would be on him. And then dad, I imagine, would name himself as the beneficiary or maybe the trust or maybe the office as the beneficiary because you can name whoever you want as the beneficiary of that policy. So what dad would say is he'd say, okay, Dr. Jeremy, let me put this policy on your body. I'm going to put this policy on your body And in exchange for you allowing me to do this, because I'm going to be making all of the premiums, me, I'm going to be making all the premiums inside that policy. You have no financial obligation to it. Now, just real quick, you could if you wanted to, you know, just how like in those employer 401ks, those matches. I mean, if you wanted to, you could match somebody inside of that policy. Actually, that's what we do for our team right now. If you're a part of the money multiplier, one of the benefits of you being on the team is you actually get a policy. And so let's say that you want to put in a thousand a month into that policy. Well, I'll match you. I'll do a thousand a month as well. So now there's a total of 2000 a month that's going towards that policy as premium. So you could do something like that. I don't think dad did that though. I'll have to ask him, but I don't think he did that. So you could, if you wanted to, this is the freedom of you being your own banker, you being your own business owner. So dad would pay the premiums inside of that policy. So Dr. Jeremy, let me put this policy on your body. I will pay the premiums for it. If you wanted to, let's talk about beneficiaries. If you wanted to, you could allow that person to take over, let's say 25%, 50% of the the beneficiary if you wanted to. 
hey, Dr. Jeremy, to incentivize you, maybe incentivize not a great word, but whatever, lack of better words, to incentivize you for allowing me to put this policy on your body, I will allow you to choose whoever you want to name as the beneficiary, and I'll allow you to have 50% of the beneficiary. You could do that. I don't think dad did that, but you could. So dad would name himself as 100% the beneficiary because get this y'all, let's think about it. In the terms of life insurance sense, if something were to happen to Dr. Jeremy prematurely, dad would need those resources and those funds to find himself another doctor to come in and help with the care of the patients in the business because the business and life still goes on. So Dad would name himself as a 100% beneficiary because in the event something were to happen, he needs those funds to keep carrying on the business. So, okay, so that's just a little bit about the beneficiary side. But you come to Dr. Jeremy one more time and you say, all right, Dr. Jeremy, let me put this policy on your body. And for you allowing me to put this policy on your body, and if you are with me, Doc, let's say, 20 years, if you are with me for 20 years or longer, I promise you that at the time that you want to retire and leave, I will guarantee you a monthly income, let's say it's $3,000 a month. So what dad is really saying here in creating this contract between him and the doc is number one, he's creating loyalty between him and his key employee because Dr. Jeremy wouldn't want to leave. He's going to want that guaranteed income when he hits those retirement years and he doesn't want to practice any longer. So you're creating loyalty with the doc or your employee and you are also protecting yourself and actually helping your financial future out right now because what dad is doing during the times that Dr. Jeremy is there working for those 20 years. And again, 20 years is just a number I made up. This is literally something that you have control over of what you want to set the terms for in that contract. But if Dr. Jeremy is there and let's say he decides to leave, well, policy's still active. Dad is the owner of that contract. It doesn't matter if Dr. Jeremy hates it. He's kicking and screaming. He's calling the insurance company saying, hey, I want to cancel this thing. He cannot do that because he is not the owner of the policy contract. The one who has the gold makes the rules, and that is what the owner is. They have 100% control ownership and responsibility of that vehicle. So even if he does decide to leave, well, Policy still active and dad's keep is gonna keep using it during the times of his living and working years. Now, in a perfect world, if Dr. Jeremy stays until that time, well, hey, I will fund your income from the cash value inside of that policy. That is how I'm gonna guarantee you this income is from the guaranteed cash accumulation and uninterrupted compounding growth during these years. It's gonna be so efficient that it's gonna hit a point where I can really guarantee you a 3,000 monthly income that I'm gonna pay directly to you that you can use for whatever you want because it's now your retirement years now. So that is behind the scenes what's going on and what's happening. Now, here's something else, too, that you can do. Get this. Because I'll tell you, 
I don't think, I mean, even up to this point, because, because you know, we don't have like any W-2 employees. Everybody's their own 1099 contractor. But even if you have those employees, doesn't matter if it is W-2 or 1099, what you can do is use the cash for things like dental coverage, health coverage, okay? So I remember having this conversation with my mom because mom and dad have been in business for a long, long time, even before I was here. And what mom would offer the people is that they would say, well, hey, you know, yes, I want to come work for you. I want to be the CA in the clinic, but I need some benefits. I want some benefits. I don't want to leave my job right now just because I have amazing health and dental benefits. So what mom would say is, okay, well, go out and go find yourself a plan. Find yourself a plan that you believe is fair and that is good. And what I'll do is I will simply pay for that plan that you have. So what mom will do is that she will use the cash values inside of the policy to pay for that health or dental coverage that that person is looking to have as being a benefit and employee working for us over here. Because if you really think about it, the biggest struggle with small business owners is, is that it's hard to keep good employees paying them at a great salary with the benefits that matches those big corporate um, corporations and corporate America that's out there. I mean, if you really think about it, it is tough. It's tough to be a small fish in a big old pond, right? So these are things that you can attract good working people that have the same vision for you and allow them to have these benefits that they should rightfully have, in my opinion. Now, another thought that I had too is you could also use the cash in the policy to pay for the PTO hours, right? I mean, I know folks love to take their paid time off and I think everybody should take vacations, if not multiple vacations a year. You can fund their paid time off. It's kind of the same thing as like funding their payroll, but fund their paid time off through the cash value that's inside the policy, right? Okay, we talked about a few uses of it. Let's kind of dive in a little bit to the taxes. The taxes and like kind of the tax deductions and tax benefits that you could get from the policy. Now, before I get into the tax side of things, I am not a tax professional, I'm not a CPA, so please go and do your due diligence and talk with your tax professionals. Um, actually, I almost wanted to be a CPA when I graduated high school. I actually graduated high school early. I got out um, six months uh, prior, I finished the semester early. Y'all, high school was a freaking nightmare. I did not like my high school years. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I talk about on my vlog channel. So um, I, I actually, I was going to a community college, Johnson County Community College out there in Kansas City. And uh, I wanted it to be CPA. I was taking some classes for it. But uh, anywho, I am still a student of taxes and I'm actually kind of doing something different over here with my trust and foundations and setting everything up. But I have heard around the grapevine that if you have an S Corp or if you have a specific trust that's set up properly, you can actually fund 100% of your premiums and it be 100% tax deductible for the business or that entity. So go check it out, just some resources for y'all. Um, I will say like the tax benefits from the policy itself, you know, 
Yes, the policy does grow tax-free growth, and that death benefit gets paid out tax-free. You can take out the tax-free loans, because obviously we never pay taxes on loans, and even withdrawals. You can totally take out 100% tax-free withdrawals to the policy from the policy up to your cost basis as well. Um, let's get into that just a little bit. So like cost basis for y'all who aren't familiar with that term, meaning that like, let's make believe over the course of the policy, you put in 400,000 of premium deposits. Well, you can withdraw 400,000 tax free from the policy, physically withdraw the money out. So go check with that and see if there's any ways that you can incorporate premiums being tax deductible. Now, I'll tell you this too. I do know that if let's say that you personally own a policy and let's say that you loan your business money and then your business does X, Y, and Z, whatever ventures it does with the money, and then the business when it pays you back, plus the interest that it pays you back, that can be counted as a tax deduction for the business. So different ways that you can incorporate that. Let me give you all some resources too. So for my entrepreneurs out there who have over $100,000 of a tax liability or tax bill, reach out to me. I should get you in contact with my tax professional. His name is um, Suleiman and his son, Mahib. It's really cool. They're a, a father-son duo over there as well. And um, they teach something called the 1041 tax structure. So it's really incorporating what the Trumps, the gates of the world are doing. And I mean, remember, remember when everyone was so pissed off at Trump because he, because he paid like 750 bucks in taxes? Well, there's a reason you can't hate the player. You just got to hate the game. So like I said and mentioned before, there's something for the uninformed and there's a method for the informed. And so I'm just going to play the game right along there with them. So over $100,000 tax liability, you should definitely start researching that 1041 tax structure and reach out to me. I'll get you in contact with my folks. Um, if you're not there, if you're paying under that in your tax bill each year, I would recommend two other folks to reach out to just to get more tax savvy. Um, because I mean, yes, I do agree that we should pay taxes. We, we should contribute to society. But at the end of the day, y'all, I mean, we are the government works for us. We do not work for the government. So if there's a way that I can legally minimize things, still contribute my part, but minimize some things, I'm going to do it. That's just my humble opinion. So um, Tax Hive is a great company. Reach out to me and I'll get you in contact with Tax Hive. Or if you are wanting more of the hand-holding help, um, Brent Carlson, he lives out in Vegas. Uh, he helps folks get their trust set up, get their LLCs set up, and then also has some um, attorney and uh, CPAs there that will help on the tax side and also the legalities um, of everything too. So just some resources there for y'all in a few ways of how you can incorporate uh, getting some favorable uh, tax deductions there. Um, like I mentioned before too, you know, if you do put a policy on a key employee, I mean, it really helps you, you know, it, it, it's, it's a leverage for you to protect yourself as a business over, 
over haha owner working so damn hard to run this business support yourself your family and the community that this policy can really help you with the death benefits you know god forbid there's a premature death like i mentioned before you're going to need those resources to keep sustaining the business and what's going on in the daily practices even if they leave you like i mentioned before even if that person leaves you and y'all had that written agreement where hey doc if you are going to be with me for x amount of time or longer if you're not and you leave well, then this contract is done because you did not meet up your ends of the contract. Well, then it's you being able to use this accumulation appreciating assets to still be able to finance the things that you got going on in the business financial world that you have for yourself. Now, this is something I'm going to talk about more when I have um, my older mentor on talking more about the experiences that he has when he's working with small business owners. But us small business owners, we do not plan for our own retirement. All we're really doing each and every day or each and every week, we just try to get through week by week, do we not? There's so much shit that's gotta get done. It's like laundry, right? I mean, it seems like it's never done. And then once you seem like you're done and caught up, there's like a shitload of other stuff over here that you gotta start working on. So we do not take the time to take it down to a personal level and really start talking about exit strategy and even our own personal retirement. Because if you think about it, most of the income that small business owners have coming in is 100% just from the income of their active employment that they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Y'all, we gotta diversify and we really gotta think long range. I say this all the time. What is one of the five rules that Nelson Nash teaches us is think long range. So these policies can be really be there to be that income for replacement come retirement for you being the business owner. That is why I love these policies. I don't have any qualified plans, any savings accounts, any stocks or bonds. I am using my policies during my working years so that I can leverage to go put the money to work for me, buy the ex expenses that I have or debts that I gotta pay. And then when time comes, I will now use this policy to supplement my income. I'm just going to take and pull from this policy. So I think y'all really got to start thinking about long range of what's going to happen because y'all do not let burnout get you. And I know there's going to come a time where you're like, damn, I worked so hard for all of this stuff up to this life, uh, up to this point in my life. And now I'm sitting here. 55 years old, 60 years old, and I feel like I have nothing to show for it just because I keep putting money back into the business and I'm tired. I want to go and take a month vacation to Greece if I want to. I feel like I damn deserve so. All right, sorry for getting so vulgar on y'all, but I, I really think that some of you need to have that come to Jesus meeting with yourself. So let's get into our listener writing questions for this episode. So someone wrote in to me and they said, Hannah, how quickly can I take out the loan money for my policy? So loan money is always made available within 30 days. Now, another tidbit I'll give y'all, if you really know that you have an infinite banking policy, 
you're going to have access to that cash within 30 days. That is my definition of immediately. When I tell y'all that loans are made available immediately. And remember, the principles of the policy, it acts no different than just your regular checking or savings account. Hey, I put my premium deposit in. I now have a cash value in there. I'm going to take it out immediately and then start using it. So within 30 days, that's how soon that you can use the money and start taking the money out of your policy. Now, to end this episode, I wanted to talk about this one. This is a question I get from time to time, and I think it's one of my favorite questions. This is so great. Why isn't everyone doing this? Why aren't more people talking about this and practicing it? I think I should dedicate a whole episode on that question and probably bring Pops in on it, too, to kind of give his standpoint on it. I really think the whole reason that not a lot of people are talking about this or doing it, number one, I think the biggest thing is is that there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of noise revolving around whole life policies. People hate whole life policies because they think it's the worst investment that you can ever make with your money. Y'all need to go check out my Instagram, my TikTok. I've actually made a video about that because I totally agree with you. Whole life insurance is the worst investment that you can ever make because it's not an investment. It's my savings. It's where I'm warehousing and storing my dollars. Your money has to be deposited and flow through somebody's bank. Might as well make it your bank where you make the interest, profits, and dividends instead of somebody else's bank where you're over there making them rich and funding their vacations and their golf trips. Trips. Oops, sorry, I hit a little bit close to home there. So I think it's the misconception and the noise out there revolving around it. I also think that when folks pick up this tool of the infinite banking concept, that a lot of agents like to use it as a sales tool. And y'all, it's not a sales tool. I know it can be used as a very easy sale for folks to purchase a policy from you. But I always say my work doesn't begin until your policy goes active because that is when the process of the banking actually starts happening. That's when we can start funding the policy, taking out the loans, going and doing X, Y, and Z with it. So I think a lot of people are out there talking about infinite banking selling these policies. I don't I don't consider myself a salesperson. Yeah, we all got to make a living. I got to keep my lights on and I got to feed my kitty cats. But I really lead with the education first. And so a lot of people out there who claim to be educators on this concept, because I'm not going to call you all practitioners. If you have not gone through the Nelson Nash Institute and you haven't got your practitioner certification, you are not an infinite banking concepts practitioner. That's the whole reason that it was created. So if you're going to go out there and start educating the public on it, you got to do your due diligence and you got to understand. And a matter of fact, too, talk to the people, the people that are coming to you talking about this infinite banking concept, have them show you their policy portfolio, have them tell you what they are doing with their policies right now. You got to be practicing what you're preaching. So have them show you what they are doing. You got to follow the mentors who are incorporating and practicing the lifestyle and the things that you want to do. So find those good people. But all right, back to it. I kind of went off on a fork in the road there. I I just think that people who are talking about this, they're not teaching the public in the correct manner. 
thus, which leads to high volume of policy lapses, people not paying their premiums because they still think their premium is a payment. And I think that's why it gets a bad rep, just because people aren't properly informed in creating those good habits. I've actually said this a lot this week. I've said that infinite banking is not going to solve all of your needs. It really is not. It's not a silver bullet. You have to have the principles and the habits. It's almost like this, okay? So I'm a big yogi. I like to do my yoga. And I follow someone out there on YouTube. Her name is Yoga with Adrian. So shout out to Yoga with Adrian. Y'all should go look her up. They, she does great at-home yoga videos. But you can show up to the mat. But if you're not bringing your breath with you, the stretching and the mat isn't going to do everything to get the full extent and efficiency that you're desiring out of your yoga practice. So it's the same thing over here in the policies. If you don't lead with the good habits, good intentions walking into it, and you just think that putting money into a stupid life insurance policy is going to solve all of your problems, it ain't going to happen. I'm here to tell you right now, the same for you, and it's not going to happen. You got to have the right mindset and the mentality walking into this first. So back to the question, you know, why isn't everybody doing this? We touched on noise. We touched on, I. this is just my humble opinion. I just feel like other people out there aren't teaching the public properly about this. And another reason, we're just misinformed, right? It kind of goes back into what I said on my last other two topics, but I get it. I say this all the time too. You know, my dad was a Dave Ramsey baby step follower. He would record Susie Orman every Thursday night. He would listen to them. And so it's really funny when you start to pull back the onion and see really what the elite and the wealthy are doing. Follow their track. Follow what they're doing with their money. Y'all remember, let's just leave it off at this. Remember who the number one purchasers of whole life insurance in the world are? It's conventional banks. Go look that up. Go Google BOLI, stands for Bank Owned Life Insurance. Conventional banks are the number one purchasers of whole life insurance in the world. And you can go fact check that because if you go and look at their assets on their portfolio, their tier one assets right there, life insurance. And just go see how much in whole life insurance that they actually own. And it's whole life insurance. Oh my gosh, I could go on a whole other ramp between whole life insurance versus the other vehicles out there. But I should save myself and we should probably take this episode to an end here soon. So go do your due diligence. I think that's my biggest PSA. I think people are misinformed. They're not taught properly. And I think that they don't have a community as well. If you really think about it, when I go out there and I tell people, that I put almost 100000 a year into a life insurance premium, people are looking at me cross-eyed like I'm batshit crazy, right? So have a community to support y'all, bring each other up and bounce ideas off of each other. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, give us a, a subscribe, give us a like, follow me on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram on all social media platforms. So give me a follow. Let me know how you feel about the episode. And uh, if you have any questions or things you want me to dive deeper into, please reach out to me. My information is always in the show notes down below. And, um, I ask you, do your dollars make sense until next time? I'll see you then. Bye y'all.